You're listening to Real Estate with Kevin Turner on News Talk 4BC. Welcome back to the show. News uh, up in about 28 minutes time, 28 to 9. And with interest rates at record lows and likely to stay that way, and, and even uh, a prediction that they may fall further, as we mentioned earlier, earlier in the show, on top of financial incentives to buy property, whether you buy new or buy an established home and renovate it, it's a pretty big question, especially for first home buyers. So let's try and unpack a little bit of it and give you the pros and cons of both. And uh, looking also at uh, finance and so on. Joining me to do that from Know How Property, Bushy Martin. G'day, Bushy. How are you doing? G'day, Kevin. Great to be back in city again, mate. Thank you, my friend. Hey, what are the financial incentives uh, currently being offered to secure property? Well, there's a bunch of them, and, and they're mostly targeted at uh, first home buyers and also targeted at new builds, Kevin, because the government knows we've still got a pretty significant housing shortage. But uh, if you wrap them all together, uh, let's, let's take the first home buyers as, as the example. Uh, there's the 25 grand from the federal government through the home builder program that you can still get your hands on. You need to be pretty quick because a lot of that's uh, disappearing with the uh, expire of that not too far away. But then in addition to that, we, uh, first-home buyers can grab the first-home buyers build grants, which in, in Queensland's worth about 15 grand, up for new homes up to 750 grand. But there's also some uh, stamp duty waivers and concessions that are on offer uh, around the country. And in Queensland, for example, there's no stamp duty up to uh, a home at 500 grand for a first-home buyer. And then you can add in the the first home loan deposit scheme, which the government's just announced another ten thousand allocations, which means you only need to come up with a five percent deposit, and uh, the government guarantees the mortgage insurance, so that uh, removes that cost. And then, of course, there's the super saver scheme that's been around a while, where you can effectively save up to thirty grand, very tax effectively towards your deposit. So you know you add all those together, Kevin, and in Queensland, uh, you're able to uh, get a first home. With an extra free kick of somewhere between forty-five to fifty grand. Yeah, I sometimes wonder about these schemes when you combine them all, and that's a really good um, snapshot there of what what it's like. Uh, I've had a look at the the properties that would qualify under these various schemes. There's actually quite a lot of them. I was really surprised um, when you look at you know the increase in the in in the price cap which you mentioned. Uh, for for home loans, uh, for the next 10,000 successful applicants, they can buy a home with up to 650,000, I think you said, in Brisbane. And regional centres, uh, that's up from 475,000 or 500,000 for the rest of the state. That's up from 400,000. There's about just a touch over 5,000 properties in the greater Brisbane area that would would line up for that. So that's a fairly good um, selection for people to, t- to choose from. It is, and particularly for first homes, Kevin, I, I think um, that the thing that uh, we need to remember, and I, I'm sure you and I are the same, but my first time wasn't my last time. Uh, so rather than get the Taj Mahal early, you get a property that gets gets you into the game and, and satisfies your family. And think about it potentially as a rental property later because it's likely that you'll probably move up into an, another home at, at some stage as the family starts to expand. So if you sort of keep that in the back of your mind, then there are plenty of opportunities to get out of renting or get out of living with mum and dad to um, start your own property 
portfolio, effectively. Yeah, as you mentioned at the outset there, I mean, everything's skewed towards first-home buyers, but particularly new bills. And I guess there'd be some people who say, well, I don't want to have a new property. I don't want to build one for, for lots of reasons. So I'd much rather look at an established property. And I've got to say there are pros and cons on both sides, Bushy, aren't there? Yeah, well, there are. I mean, in the, let's, if we look at the existing Kevin uh, the obvious pros of an existing property are that it's a quicker purchase because it's there, you can touch it, you can feel it, you know what you're getting, and therefore uh, probably a less stressful purchase. And it's likely that those existing properties are going to be a bit closer to the city depending on uh, where you want to live. The, the obvious cons of that, though, uh, particularly in the current environment, then they're less affordable because you're going to have a much higher deposit if you're trying to do the new build. Yep. Yes. And there's often hidden defects in reno costs that you can't see. Uh, in an existing property uh, with some existing high maintenance often that, that goes with that. So, uh, and of course, the older properties are older and the finishes are a bit more worn and not as trendy and not as attractive. Uh, so there's that side of it. And if we compare that with the build side... Well, uh, just before you... Sorry, mate. Hmm. Keep you back on the existing property. Uh, you know, I guess one of the things, and you touched on it there, is that they, they need a bit of work. And I don't know how many times I've seen people who, you know, get really caught up in the fact that uh, they buy a renovator's delight as their partner's handy or someone's handy and they plan to renovate a property and then 10 years later it's it's still unrenovated. Carolyn and I have been through this on a number of occasions where we've, you know, we've actually undertaken to renovate a property but we literally never get it finished until we decide to sell and then it becomes a rush. It's absolutely dead right, mate, and, and it's... It's snakes and ladders. Once you start opening up an old property, what you thought was one problem turns into ten problems. That's right. So, you know, you really, uh, if you're buying existing, make sure you get a really good licence builder to do a proper and actually know what you're buying. Yeah, you're, you're cutting out a little bit there too, Bushy. I don't know if you're on a bad signal. Let, let's move to new builds because I think uh, that's obviously where all the incentives are. What are the pros there? Yeah, if we look at the new build situation, Kevin... Uh, the, the real pros, obviously, are much lower establishment costs given the incentives that you can get your hands on. Yes. And even in a normal situation, you're only paying stamp duty on the land, not the full purchase price. So that saves you thousands in the initial purchase. But it, obviously, brand new appeal, modern finishes, less maintenance, and quite often covered by builders' warranties. The cons, though, uh, particularly for first-timers who have never built before, it can be uh, appear a very daunting, complex, and stressful process. So make sure you've got good help around you. Uh, but you also need to factor in the interest costs that are going to be incurred from the time you settle on the dirt until you get the keys. And often a lot of people don't think about that. So that, that loan is going to start cranking up as the bill happens. So you want to make sure you've got somewhere between 10 to 10, 12 grand that you're sticking away from your salary or savings during that period to cover those costs. And of course, uh, the other con is it's going to take nine to 12 months before you get into the home because it's going to take that long to go through the process. One of the other cons... Uh, Prices aren't always fixed. Uh, you want to make sure the contract doesn't include uh, allowances for variations or provisional sums that can suddenly bite you in the in the rear end uh, for things like uh, footing costs and soil removal and retaining walls and other bits and pieces that uh, are left as variable in the contract. So there's a, a few things to keep an eye on there. Yeah, I want to pick up on a point you made there about the cons, and that is it's uh, often, um, you know, it can be a very stressful thing and it can take a long time if you 
go through the whole building process yourself, but you can buy packaged completed homes that would still qualify for this, which is going to cut down on that time frame. But I, I wanted to ask you specifically, because you said there, get help from people to make sure that all the finishes are right. Can you tell me who you're talking about in that area? Who can who can we tap into? What sort of people? Yeah. Yes, well, a number of people you need on your team if you're going to go through this process, and it's getting independent advice. So the, the first place I'd start is getting a really good savvy mortgage broker who understands the build process, uh, because the loans to do with that side of it are different to the normal uh, purchasing of property. That's number one. Number two, I'd make sure you have an independent building inspection service that's involved in the process that can open construction from right from the start right to the finish and on at each stage of the, the exercise. So you've got a professional set of eyes making sure that the, the quality, the time and the cost of the property is in line with what you're expecting to get. A little word of warning here, and uh, the regular listeners to this show will know what I'm going to say now. Do not do not rely on the QBCC. Uh, it's a toothless tiger. It's a protection mechanism for builders uh, and certainly steer right clear of them. And no doubt the appropriate minister will be talking to me about that, but there you go. That's... That's my view. Um, I think you can look at people like Handovers. Handovers.com is a really good company. Uh, they can come in and uh, make sure that uh, all of these things are well and truly covered. And uh, their report then enables you to be very confident on the settlement. Hey, Bushy, so much more I want to talk to you about. Can you hold on? Because I do want to ask you about home buyers and what they need to watch out for. Uh, if they're looking at an existing home or a new build, uh, and, and also what other considerations they should be aware of before they jump in. So if you can stay with Bush, you'll be back in just a moment. Thanks, Kevin. 19 to 9, 4BC, we're talking real estate. You're listening to Real Estate with Kevin Turner on News Talk 4BC. When I was preparing for the show uh, for this morning, I did a little bit of research on just how houses have changed over the decades and, uh, you know, what's influenced that. And largely uh, because of what we're going through with COVID, what are the impacts or the likely impacts of that going to be? One of the things I discovered uh, was the origin of the powder room. And I mentioned it right at the top of the show too, the origin of the powder room, the ground floor powder room, where did it first start? And uh, I guess my view was that it was fairly recent. Hey, Bushy is my guest, Bushy Martin from Know How Property. G'day, Bushy. Welcome back. G'day, Thanks for Darren. staying with us. Mate, do you know the origin of the powder room? I do, mate. Uh, it's an interesting exercise. If we go back to the time before fridges uh, yeah. were in property, so we you can't got take it. a fair way, yep. our ice used to get delivered uh, manually in yeah. big blocks. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the owner of the house didn't want the Iceman dragging dirt and dust <laughs> into the rest of the place. So uh, downstairs they'd have a yeah. separate bathroom where they could wash their hands and uh, keep Mate, the house clean. You're spot on. You must have read the same research document as me. It's, it's quite amazing when you go back that, you know, that, that was a long way back. And it was things like ice and coal, uh, just generally service people who were uh, were doing that. They just didn't want to share the family bathroom. Interesting. Um, it just shows you the impact that this can have on future because we now the powder room is really quite normal now you know it's it's nothing for each bedroom to have its own bathroom anyway back to the topic that i want to talk to you about and uh, helping first home buyers in particular decide whether they should buy an existing or a new build but what do the home buyers need to watch out for in in both those categories yeah well it, let, let's take the existing example uh some advice I, I like to give people if they're looking to buy an 
property is not just to focus on the home itself. Have a really good look at the neighbourhood and the area. And the best time to do that is not during the day or on the sunny uh, Saturdays when the homes are, homes are open. It's to go and have a look just before dark because you're going to see who really is in the neighbourhood, yeah. how many cars are on the street, uh, what sort of people are actually hanging around. Yep. So that's, that's the, the first advice I'd give on the, on the existing side. If you're going to build a home, though, make sure you avoid sloping blocks or odd-shaped blocks because uh, particularly with the slope, uh, you can often add thousands to footing, retaining and soil removal costs just with a, even a very slight slope. So uh, be very wary of that because... Um, uh, you often can't pick that up when you just look at when you're driving around looking at the land on its own. You, you mentioned earlier in our chat too about um, how variable costs can be when you're building a new home, and you've got to be careful of that because uh, uh, I always uh, we've only ever I think we've only ever built one ourselves, and it was a fixed price contract. I I'd be very wary about um, contracts that can vary in price. Absolutely, and the good news in Queensland in particular, Kevin, is that. Uh, you can actually get a true fixed-price contract. Other states, you can't, but in Queensland, who does the building side of things uh, pretty well, you can actually get a true fixed-price contract. So if there's any variations in the footings or other costs that occur once they start drilling holes in the ground, then the builder's wearing that cost, not you as the buyer. Mm. I suppose we've got to be wary of things like uh, stamp duty, making sure we factor that in, but what are some of the other costs, or what are the costs of getting finance nowadays that we need to factor in? Yeah, this is important to remember, particularly with first-home buyers, because you're really adding uh, anywhere between uh, five to ten percent to the, the cost of a property, depending on whether you're, you're buying existing or, or building. So, if, you, if you're buying existing, you've got to factor in the stamp duty costs, obviously, and that's often the, the biggest cost. Uh, particularly if you're buying existing, you're still going to be hit up for that. But then you've got to think about the conveyancer, some of the, the bank fees. Uh, if you're building. We mentioned before the interest during construction that you've got to factor into the equation because you'll need to be able to fund, fund that loan as it progresses during the, the build phase. So, you know, I'd normally say to people, budget 5 to 6% if you're buying existing, around 10% if you're building on top of the actual price to make sure you've got the, the funds there. But you've also got to factor in, of course, once you've got the property, you've got to make sure you can actually afford it. And you don't just look at the, the mortgage that you're paying uh, as the figure, you need to be incorporating in that your ongoing council rates. There's adjustments to council rates when you buy the property. There's your water rates, your utility costs. So it's really worth having a look at what is going to be the true cost of hanging on to this property once we're in there to make sure that it really is going to be a Yeah, some, some great lessons for individual homeowners that you can draw from things like body corporates who have a sinking fund that allows for things like, you know, construction, um, uh, sorry, uh, repairs to the building, lift maintenance, uh, pool maintenance, all those things. They're all allowed for in a budget, and I think... Quite often we overlook those areas. You know, how often is the house going to be repainted or does it need to be repainted? When do the gutters need to be replaced? All of those things need to be factored into some kind of a, a, a an account, I guess. Yeah, they do. I often say, Kevin, that uh, on a new build property, allow uh, 500 bucks a year in the first few years because a lot of it's covered by builders' warranties. If you're buying existing, allow at least three grand a year to cover incidentals or, you know, if the hot water service mm-hmm. uh, needs to be replaced, which does often often happen... Uh, then at least you're going in knowing that you're going to have costs that you, you 
probably haven't accounted for. Mm. There are other things I wanted to talk to you about too, Bushy, so we'll get you back at some other time, talk about you know the bank of mum and dad and things like rent vesting, which is a good opportunity for, for young buyers. But we're out of time now, mate. Thanks very much for joining us. Have a great weekend, Kevin. Bushy Martin there from knowhowproperty.com.au. It is right on 10 minutes to nine.